You're listening to Bull and Dave's Excellent Podcast, Chicago's Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bull and Dave Show or Facebook.com forward slash The Bull and Dave Show. Buckle up, bitches. It's about to get juicy. Number 79, Bill and Dave's excellent podcast. Dave flying solo here. That is a song called OCD off the EP Scars Make Stars by a band called Mediocre. Mediocre? Mediocre. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but the song is awesome. Um, the singer Cindy Clark, you can find her on Instagram at girlwolf. It's G I R L W O L F. Um, the band, you can find them at Mediocre underscore core underscore so i think it's mediocre core but either way what a riff dude what a guitar riff on that check them out uh you can check them if you just go to the go go to the instagram check them out uh at girl wolf cindy clark and at medio underscore core underscore um and what a great riff the ep again is called scars make stars and yeah 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 check that out for show for show this is dave Again, flying solo here. We've got a very cool guest today on the phone. We're going to talk about uh, this new movie coming out uh, November 1st. It's called Motherless Brooklyn. Uh, It's directed uh, by Edward Norton, also stars him. Uh, Everybody's in it from Edward Norton to Bruce Willis, Sherry Jones, Alec Baldwin, Leslie Mann, Willem Dafoe. So let's not waste any time with this. All right, let's go to the phone while we have a... Very special guest, uh, actress, voiceover star, and she's a mom, which we love moms, all the moms <laughs> out there listening. Katie Davis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, no, this is so cool. So a huge movie's coming out. Uh, I have a release date of November 1st. It's going to be hitting theaters. And yeah. you're, you're going to be in this movie. 
uh, called Motherless Brooklyn. And just going to rattle off some of these stars that are in this movie. Uh, Edward Norton, Alec Baldwin, Bruce Willis, Willem Dafoe, and Katie Davis. How cool is that? <laughs> Doesn't that sound awesome? That's so, that yeah. is so oh, cool. I don't think that's the actual order, but yes, it is. <laughs> it's, um, it's quite a cast. It's pretty amazing. So um, I, I watched the trailer. It looks like uh, you know it's a it's a it's a timepiece set back in the fifties. Edward Norton looks mm-hmm. like he may have a little bit of OCD. I don't think I'm giving thing, anything away. Uh, maybe no, a no, that's known. He actually his character has Tourette. Tourette. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was Tourette's or not, just because of some of the things you see were repetitive, and I'm like, ah, maybe that's an OCD thing. But uh, what can you tell us about yeah. this film? This is it seems like a really cool movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, like you said, the cast is incredible to start with. Um, it was um, originally a novel by Jonathan Lethem, and uh, Edward Morton read it, I want to say about 20 years ago now, and just fell in love with it, and has been trying to get it made ever since. And so he actually adapted it, directed it, produced it, and starred in it. So it's quite the accomplishment for him. Um, And yeah, like you said, it's set in the 1950s, which is the only difference between this film adaptation and the novel itself, because the novel is set in contemporary time. Um, But this has more of a film noir feel to it. And um, yeah, it's a mystery thriller um, with Edward Norton playing a detective who tries to solve the mystery. I can't really I can't really say anything else. <laughs> or I'll be in trouble. Well, how how did you get the role? Did you just uh was it just a, a normal audition? Did you did you have any idea mm-hmm. what you were auditioning yeah. for? Oh yeah, I knew what I was auditioning for. Just I mean, <clears throat> honestly, unless it's something top secret, which I I feel like is usually in the Marvel world or or, you know, that kind of realm. And most of the time, you know exactly what you're auditioning for and you have the, the sides and the pages that you're, you're going to be using if you do book the job. Um, and yeah, it was just another audition that I went in for. That's pretty cool. Now, do you audition for yeah. Edward Norton since he's so involved or, or, or was there a couple steps to that process? No, he, I was auditioning with the casting director and then that, that was on tape and then he saw that. Wow. So that's uh is it intimidating working for Edward Norton and being there? Is he like pretty involved in, in the directing part of it um, when you're doing a scene? Um, yeah, well, it was actually my first experience of working with an actor in the scene with me who was also directing. And so that was very different, having him jump from the scene, like from a rehearsal of the scene to behind the camera to check with his DP that everything looked the way he wanted it to look and his vision was being realized. And so that was very different. Um, But no, actually, when it came down to it, it wasn't intimidating because the feeling on set, I feel like everybody that he had around him, there was just this sense of family and everyone just wanting to do their best and put everybody at ease and just make something great you know Um, and there was also a little room for improv which always makes a scene more fun for me anyway Um, and I am Irish and the character was Irish so I was able to say you know I think she'd actually say it more like this um, which is so lovely because when an American is writing 
an Irish character, obviously, they a lot of the time they don't have quite the frame of reference that an Irish person themselves does, you know. Um, but yeah, overall, it was just so friendly and welcoming and inviting and, and honestly inspiring. For sure, for sure. So uh, you were also yeah. in College Humor's, uh, oh boy, I'm going to mess this up, uh, Troopers, right? Troopers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I so so I, I've seen a couple episodes of that, and I love everything College Humor does. Oh, cool. um, but but going from something like Troopers to uh, like uh, what what looks to be probably a, a monster feature film, um, mm-hmm. is it? What's the preparation like for you? Are, is it just kind of another gig, or are you are you like trying to memorize the lines and make sure you come in? Fully prepared? Yeah, I mean, so I, I actually filmed, it's funny because they came out in reverse order, but I filmed Mother's, Motherless Brooklyn quite a while before I did Troopers, so I actually went from that to College Humor. Oh, wow. Um, and what, Yeah, 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 but there was just a much quicker turnaround, which I think happens in general with online content and television as opposed to feature films. For sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it in one way, not to sound too blasé, it is just another gig. And I think that's really the best way to think about it as an actor because otherwise, like, you know, you can just get too in your head about it. Um, What I will say I found challenging for Troopers is that it's set in space, obviously. And I had, I'm a, a general in charge of the ship and I had a lot of space jargon esque whatever you want to call it that I had to learn um, and like pages and pages of it so that that was definitely the kind of challenge that I hadn't had before in that I would shoot all day potentially go into overtime come home and still have you know seven to ten pages that I needed to have learned for the next day and not just learned but like ready to go, I'm in command, I know what I'm, <laughs> what I'm talking about. Sure. Um, but also, the really cool thing that, um, that most actors will tell you is that memory is a muscle. And so once you get in, well, for me anyway, once I got into the swing of it, it just came very easily. So, you know, the place that I was at three weeks into filming was very different to, you know, the first couple of days. So For sure. Um, yeah, there was a, a lot of memorization on Troopers. Um yeah, I had all the hard stuff in the college, you know, because the way college humor works, they have their rotating cast members that, you know, work on most of their shows. But for Troopers, because it was such a um, a big show that they were doing, they brought in some outside actors for some of the bigger parts, and I was one of them. But the, the college humor cast, I mean, around me just got to have all the jokes, all the cracks, <laughs> like, while I was off furiously trying to memorize all of these long speeches about you know the third moon of Corf and the you know the sword people from Skizdak you know just sure. it was really it was something else yeah <laughs> now you've got a pretty extensive resume I mean you've done a lot of theater television film um and, mm-hmm. and commercials like is there do you have a preference I mean theater obviously you're going to get some instant gratification or disapproval on whatever you're doing with in front of an audience yeah um, and and the pacing, I'm sure, yeah, in television and film are different. Do you have a, a preference that that you, that you like to work in more? It's such a layered question because when I'm in one of them, I think this is it. And then I go on to the next medium and I think, no, this is it. And so I think I, think I love each 
each one for a different reason. Sure. Um, I will say in theatre, and maybe this speaks more to my personality than anything else, I do love the sense of control and ownership that I get over my performance because, you know, unless for some reason someone completely messes up a lighting cue and you're in the dark or whatever, really it's it's all on you and your fellow performers. You know, obviously there's a director and maybe a choreographer or whatever, but, you know, a lot of the time they step away from the production and so once you get into your run in theatre... It's all about you. And I also think there's a magic to no audience member ever seeing the same show. Sure. Unless you were there the same night. That, you know, that's it. It's a one-off. And that magic that happened that night, even if something goes wrong, that can make the show, you know. Yeah. So I do, I do love that. Um, but then, you know, <clears throat> to swing it the other direction... I think it's incredible what editors can do with your performance in post-production in both TV and film. That's, that's its own sort of magic as well. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 luckily I don't have to choose. Um, sure. But what I will say is I have not done it yet, but I would love to get on a multicam sitcom in front of an audience because I feel like that would be such a gorgeous um, combination of all the things that I love together, you know. For um, sure. But yeah. And then uh, yeah. Uh, another thing I, I didn't even touch on was the fact that uh, you you did some voiceover work for uh, Age of Ultron, which is a Marvel's movie. You had yeah. mentioned Marvel um, mm-hmm. productions. Yeah. Oh before. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. So how? So this this film you said you did quite quite a while ago, Motherless Brooklyn. So if you're doing voiceover for Age of Ultron, like how long of a process is that? But from the day you go in and cut your lines to it comes out. Oh, God, that's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure of the accurate answer of that. Sure. Um, oh, goodness. The the stuff that I would have been doing would have been towards the very end of, of like, post-production. So, actually, of all things, probably quite close to the film coming out, really? to be honest with you. That's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, because if you think about it, the vo- so all of the... Um, all of the live action would already all have to be filmed before any additional voiceover goes in in post-production. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you know, they'll have the, the live action playing on the screen. And so th- that's what you take your cues from to then do your job with the ADR. Does sure. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and that is a case where, you know, there were big... Um, NDAs to be signed and you know you had to leave your firstborn child at the door and promise you'd never tell anyone anything of course because it's so top secret in that kind of world Um, but yeah so it would be quite close to the to the film being finished wow wow and and this is I think an interesting fact because we talk to people from all over the country and I love the fact that you were born and raised in Dublin Ireland and and I'm curious how do you get from Dublin, Ireland to L.A.? That's It seems like a, a far jump and, and maybe scary, too. On a plane. Yeah, I started acting um, when I was about 12 in Ireland professionally. Um, and, you know, I worked all the way through being in school and knew that that's what I wanted to do. And then I went to drama school and I, I worked as an actor then once I 
graduated from drama school and I actually, because um, this podcast is in Chicago, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah, right yeah. That? Yeah, yeah. So I did a month in Chicago on a on a tour that I did with the Abbey Theatre, which is the National Theatre of Ireland. Yeah. And um, we spent a month in the the Shakespeare Theatre on Navy Pier. Nice. Is that still there? Yep, you know it's there. Yeah, about? yeah, absolutely. Wonderful theater, and it, it's it's a replica of the Globe Theater, um, Shakespeare's theater in is it Stratford on Avon? Um, God, someone's going to have to check all these facts. But <laughs> um, but anyway, I so I had done a lot of work in Ireland, and I don't know. I just I was in my you know in my mid twenties, and I just felt an itch to be somewhere else and try something else. And I just knew I didn't want to regret not trying something, you know, like I just, I wanted to do it. And anyway, so I found out that um, there was a visa that you could get, an O-1 visa, um, if you had done enough work. It was difficult to get, but I, um, I put all my stuff together and got that visa and that let me come to LA. I mean, I could have chosen anywhere in America. Yeah, it, it was an American visa, and um, but I chose LA, the furthest possible point of America <laughs> from Ireland, which I don't think I quite got when I made that choice. Like it would have been so much easier to be in New York, like just the commute back and forth to Ireland if I wanted to come home. Oh, for sure. Um, and yeah, I did not know. You said um, maybe it was a bit scary. I didn't know a single person. That's not horrifying. One in LA. <laughs> That's horrifying to me. The, like, just the thought of that. And yeah, it, I know. It's awesome, I and know. I love that move. I love when people do that. They just, you know what? I don't know anybody, yeah. but I'm going to go give it a shot because, um, you know, there's yeah. probably a lot of people that 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 don't do it and regret it. You know, so that's pretty awesome. And well, that that's the thing. That's the thing. Even in my early twenties, I just knew I didn't want to regret. And I remember my mom saying to me, "You just give it a year." And then you can come home. But you have to just give it a year. And all my friends being so supportive in Ireland, I still miss them, but them saying, you can always come home. We'll always be here. Um, and yeah, so I got in the plane. But it's funny that you're just talking about it being horrifying because there are times I'll, I don't know, I'll, I'll something will remind me or I'll see something and I'll start telling my husband a story about when I first moved to LA. And he actually asks me, quite often to stop because he can't listen. He's like, it's just it's too terrible. Uh, not that anything terrible happened to me, but he's like, I just can't, I can't imagine this, you know? Like, I remember walking to Ralph, um, after, you know, a few days after I moved here to, like, you know, get a few bits and pieces and standing in the washing powder aisle, you know, with all the, the cleaning supplies and just having no clue which one to buy. Right, because every single brand was different, and it was it's that kind of stuff that I never thought of before I moved. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's going to be fine. I'll t- I'll sort it out, and I'll meet people, and I just know that. Or even like getting a cold and going to CVS and not recognizing any of the cold medicine on the shelf, and it's such a little thing. But like anyone you know from Ireland or England listening to this will know when I say, oh, you know, you just go and get Lemsip and some paracetamol and this and that. And those are just the things that you grew up on and standing in CVS and looking going, Teraflu, what's that? <laughs> and Advil, NyQuil, what? Like I just, I, yeah, I had, I had no idea. And of course you learn and it all works out and everything is fine. But um, it's those little things that you just, 
yeah, you just have to get through and and and, and figure it out. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and even even aside from like that, I, I think like any big city has, uh, you know, Chicago's one of them too, where there's people that are just savvy and and will take advantage of somebody any chance they get, whether it's you know promising you you know, money for a role and then not paying you or, or whatever, you know, empty yeah. promises. And, and yeah. they see somebody from Dublin, Ireland, they're like, oh, this is a, this is an, an easy one, easy pickings, right? Yeah. I did have, do you want one horror story? Oh, I'd I love one. Yeah. One <laughs> I, and it's actually nothing to do with the business, but I had, I had flown over um, a few, like um, a two months, let's say, before I was actually due to move here permanently. And I was having some meetings that, you know, my Irish agent had set up or whatever. You know, I had enough stuff to be keeping me busy for about two weeks here in L.A. And my plan in my downtime was to find an apartment, a room in an apartment or whatever. Sure. Um, so that when I did move over, I wasn't moving into a hotel, and I, you know. So I went on good old Craigslist and was looking at all these different apartments. And long story short, I found a room in an apartment that I thought was just perfect. And I remember going to see it on a Friday night. And I walked in and they had been they had been baking cakes and they had friends over and they were having the chats with me, showing me the bedroom, you know, just so great. And they walked me in. They greeted me at the front door. You know, I walked in, saw the whole place. And then they said, oh... Um, let's go out the back way so that we can show you um, we can show you where the laundry is and the parking and the back exit. Sure. Okay. So I, on the spot, because, you know, even back then it was competitive to get apartments and rooms and stuff. I said, yes, I definitely want to take it. And so I had given them the deposit and they gave me a key. And then they walked me out the back. And I went off happy as Larry with myself. You know, I'm, I've made it in L.A. I've got, I've got a room and an apartment. It's all coming up roses. For sure. That was a Friday night. And I was meant to move in on the Monday. And I show up on Monday evening. And I put my key in the lock of the door. And it will not turn. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I go into shock. And I start calling the numbers of the girls that I was meant to be moving in with. This number is no longer in service. Oh, Oh, no. And I, and I, there's a door directly opposite this one that I was meant to be moving into. So I, I, I just, I'm in shock. So I just turn around and I knock on the door. And remember, I don't know anybody. Right. I knock on the door. And this lovely woman opens it. And I said, hi, I'm so sorry. Um, do you do you know um, the two girls that live here? And she looked at me and said, oh, sweetie, they moved out on Saturday. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I said, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, they had been running a scam Oof. where they advertised this room. And they took deposits from as many people as they could and gave out as many fake keys as they could and then walked them out. And it was all so believable and plausible. Wow. Like, you never, like, I mean, if only they used their, their, um, 
their brains for good instead of evil, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. And I remember that was a really, really, that was a hard knock, you know? Welcome to LA. Oh. Um, but it only went up from there. That's, isn't that a funny one? That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, and, and thank God in the end, all, all you're out is money. You know, you can always make more money. So that at least you oh, didn't absolutely. get hurt or something, you know, because it's scary. Yeah. It's a scary world out there. And especially yeah. in LA or any big city, New York, Chicago, they're all the same. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. That's, and now that I'm a mother too, uh, I look back. Like I, I'm, I wasn't scared doing it. But now looking back, nine years later, I go, Jesus Christ, what was I right. doing? Oh. Like, I don't, I don't think I could do it now. <laughs> um, but you know, I suppose that's what your twenties are for. That's crazy. <laughs> that that's crazy, and that's probably yeah. That's that's exactly why I say it's horrifying. That's too much. Um, another interesting thing, and I think I glanced over this a little bit ago, but um, you you done a lot of radio back in Ireland too. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, I started doing voiceovers when I was a kid, and then um, I actually got into doing uh, radio plays as well, which is so fun. Um, one of my favorite ones I did um, opposite Stephen Ray, actually, who's a very, very well-known Irish actor um, from The Crying Game and Schindler's List and you name it. He's he's incredible. Um, but yeah, RTE, which is the national... Uh, broadcaster in Ireland, which stands for Radio Telefusion, which is there's some Irish for you. Sure. And <laughs> they also have a great radio department. And um, and yeah, it was. Uh, I re- I have always enjoyed my time behind the microphone. I just find it so freeing. And I think that that, that doing work like that probably helps you as an actor, even like on screen or on stage, just because. The, the voice inflection that you it's uh, it's all in your voice is what sells it um, which is probably yeah. something that gets yeah. looked over a lot in 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 theater or on TV um, it's not, not something you think about you know yeah yeah and also um, just yeah I suppose realizing the power that you hold within your voice at any moment um, and and I suppose, for want of a better word, you know, kind of the manipulation that you have with your voice. Um, Just even having a conversation, an engineer could say to me in the booth, can you do that one more time and can you physically smile with your mouth? And it completely changes the read. So I might have thought that I was sounding really happy before, but I I wasn't smiling. And if I just add a smile to my face, suddenly I sound happier. Wow. You know, (laughs) and... Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I always found that fascinating. And also just the freedom. There's so much more opportunity to play all kinds of people when you're not being seen. For sure. Because it's, it's just up to the listener's imagination. Well, and, and that's kind of like when you're reading a book. Yeah. And, I, and that's you what know, I like, like about... Whatever you put on. Yeah, and that's what I like about like this podcast world becoming more and more popular because you're starting to see some more of that coming back to the states where that one it was huge back in the day but this idea of radio dramas or 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 just like anything that's not something like we're doing here you know where there's characters and, and and that can make a comeback and and uh and and there are some really successful ones so i love this medium for that because it brings it, it brings something to the table like that. And, and, and I think that's, that's an art that 
was forgotten here, at least in the States for a long time, is this idea of radio drama or even comedies like that. I, I think there's room yeah, for it. Yeah, well, I also think it's just to do with always wanting to take a step forward. And so radio was the beginning, and then it shifted to television, and then it was film. And, and you kind of want to always be keeping up with the latest advances. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, you're right. Things can sometimes get pushed to the side. But I know for me personally, I'm a massive podcast fan. And for me, I love that I can be listening and paying attention, but also doing something at the same time. So I can be in my kitchen doing the dishes or making food or whatever whilst listening. But I don't feel like I can do that with television or film. I feel like I need to be focused and watching, you know, like, or I can take a hike and I can listen to my podcast and I just feel, um, I feel very accomplished. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. in and, a way that I don't with television or film. Yeah, that's it's it's a cool it's a cool experience to have that that you have that the radio dramas. I thought was I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. are you the type of person now? Like I, we know you've you've done Troopers uh, for College Humor. We've got Motherless Brooklyn coming out uh, a month from today, um, November first. Are you gonna? Are will you watch yourself in these, or is or or is it too hard to get too oh, critical? Yeah. yeah, you will. Yeah, because if I don't watch, it's never going to get better, you know? Sure. Um, And look, are there times I might watch something and go, oof, that's not my favorite take, or I wish I'd done this, or I wish I'd done that. Yeah, but for me, um, and I totally respect people that don't want to watch themselves, but for me, I find it um, really helpful in seeing what I do and don't like, or even... um, noticing, well, I thought when I did that, it read like this, but actually watching it back, it reads like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's just kind of getting more of an awareness of of my movements, my face, my voice, my accent, you know, whatever it might be um, that strikes me. And so, yeah, no, I, I definitely watch it back. And it's fun, too. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Now, now, um, now you, you're a mom, and uh, how cool is it to be able to... I, and 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 I, and it's a, is a, a boy, right? Yes, my yeah. son Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, are you excited for him to watch like Troopers or something that you've done on TV? Uh, is he old enough to yeah, know, like, well, hey, that's mom? Well, he just turned two, so he doesn't really get a lot of screen time. But what I will say is that um, I don't know what the situation was that. For some reason, we had Troopers up on our television because, you know, it, it's um, on College Humor streaming service. So we're able to just watch it at home. For sure. And it, we had paused it. Oh, yes, we had paused it and we had gotten him to get up from his nap. And he came out and immediately I was on the screen. He said, Mama, <laughs> That's Mama, awesome. with a big smile. And I look very different in Troopers than I would day to day. You know, it's intergalactic. My hair is scraped back off my face. I have very... Um, you know, army type clothes on. And so it was really cute. And like, even just down to, I think he was six or seven months old when I was shooting that and I was still nursing him. So, you know, that was a big part of my days on set as well, having to go and pump. And it just, it feels really cool that I can turn around and, and tell him all about that when, uh, whenever he's not grossed out by us, for sure. be like, "Oh yeah, that's really cool, Mom. Thanks for doing that." Yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but yeah, it just it's really cool. I'm with Motherless Brooklyn. He was three months old. He was he was so brand new and I was so brand new as a mom, you know. Um I just think it's so gorgeous to have they're almost like these little time capsules, you know, of 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 where I was at and what was happening in our family and then we'll always have that and he'll be able to see it too and, and hopefully enjoy it. For sure. That's awesome. Did you know yeah. when you were filming Motherless Brooklyn, do you get starstruck at all? Like you go to the, the craft services table or whatever, and there's uh, Alec Baldwin, you know, grabbing some finger food. Do you, do you get starstruck in any situations like that? You know, I think if I were to, I don't know, be in a restaurant and sitting at a table near somebody like that or somebody that I really admired, I might feel a little starstruck. But if I'm on the same set and working a job with somebody, For sure. then we're actors doing our job, you know? And so, and like sitting in the makeup trailer, Willem Dafoe and Cherry Jones want to see pictures of my son on my phone and I'm going to show them because we're all just people doing our best, living our lives, and right. they were being generous and kind and going, oh, you've just had a baby, can we see the pictures? And so it kind of just levels the playing field because we're all there to do our job. You know, some jobs might be bigger than others, but we're all there as actors just doing our best. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember I had somebody, I can't remember who it was that we were talking to about that because I always find that intriguing, right? Like, especially um, if, if it's your first time, like, on a big set which which you know i i would yeah. think but but um somebody brought up a really good point that those type of people know like that that there's a chance for that so they try to break the ice and and, and make sure everybody feels totally. comfortable which is cool it's a cool thing yeah and at the end of the day we're all just people doing our best with what we've got yeah and that's really it you know and yeah, it's in everyone's best interest to just be kind and generous and and to do the best job. And that was that was certainly the feeling on that set. Um yeah. That's a- yeah, that everyone just wants to make a great film wow. and put out the best product. Well, it looks like it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Again, it's called Motherless Brooklyn. It comes uh it's going to be in theaters November 1st. Um again, uh yeah. Alec Baldwin, Bruce Willis, Edward Norton, Willem Dafoe, uh, there, there. I mean, the the list goes on. Those are the 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 the, the big yeah. movie stars. But don't forget the women. There's Leslie yeah, Mann. Leslie Mann. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the cast is just star studded, and and it's got all the makings of of what what'll be a huge hit, I'm sure. And uh, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I'm looking forward to seeing it, and and I think. Uh, I'm always a proponent of. Uh, well, I I've always thought Edward Norton doesn't make bad movies, so I think you're in good hands no. there. So knock on wood, uh, it's received well. I think it's going to be. It looks awesome. We're going to share the trailer um, for sure, and you can. Oh yay! You can follow uh, Katie Davis on Instagram and Twitter at Davis Face, uh, and visit her website katie yeah. uh, katie-davis.com um, for for all the info and there's some really cool uh, vimeos uh, on your vimeo page it's uh, it's awesome it's a great way to follow oh, her and you. keep up with what's going on and uh, is there anything else we can promote 
Oh, goodness, no. Just be kind to your mom and, and you know, try and eat healthy and, and do some exercise. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that. that's perfect. That's perfect. I love it. And, uh, <laughs> Katie, you've been awesome. Thank you so much for giving us some time today. And best of luck of um, on this movie and, and, and your future projects as well. Yes, and I hope to come to Chicago again soon. We'd love to have you. It's a, it's a, there's, hey, we love the Irish in Chicago. I think that's pretty well documented. Oh, so, yes, I yes. know. <laughs> we stayed in Fitzpatrick for a month on, oh, God, I can't even remember the name of the street, but it's a, it's a big, fancy Irish hotel, and, yes, we, we received a hero's welcome. It was the loveliest, kindest, friendliest city, and also very clean. Yeah, yeah, we try, we, we they, they do a good job, and, and we even dye the, the River Green for St. Patrick's Day, so it's... Uh... Yes, I know, <laughs> I was there around Thanksgiving, Christmas time, but yes, I've seen the pictures, yeah. it's, it's glorious. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, Katie, thank you so much, and, and best of luck, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll look for you on November 1st. Oh, thank you. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, there you go, Katie Davis. Very cool. All the way from Dublin, Ireland, then to L.A., and now she's going to be in a huge fall blockbuster movie, Motherless Brooklyn. It's got Alec Baldwin, Bruce Willis, Edward Norton, Willem Dafoe. Go see this thing when it comes out. Edward Norton, you heard her say uh, it took him 20 years to get this thing made. Obviously, a lot of work's been put into it. Uh, Leslie Mann's in it. I mean, just any, anyone you can think of. It's going to be a huge cast, and it looks really cool. It does look really cool, and you can't go wrong with Edward Norton in anything. So check out Katie Davis on Instagram and Twitter at DavisFace or on our website, katie-davis.com. And, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to subscribe and rate us. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bill and Dave Show or Facebook.com forward slash The Bill and Dave Show.